Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. Starting a new series today called Blind Spots. Blind Spots. Stevie Wonder, the singer, and Jack Nicholas, the golfer, were sitting around the pool at a, a, luxuri- a luxurious hotel in Las Vegas. And after some small talk, the conversation eventually led to golf. That the golfer and the singer started talking about golf. And, and Nicholas was surprised to find out that Stevie Wonder, who was blind, has been playing golf for years. And the golf pro just couldn't believe it. He, he couldn't believe what he was hearing. And so he wanted some details as to how this works, how this happens. How does Stevie Wonder play golf? And so Stevie Wonder obliged and began to talk to him about it. And he said, here's, here's how we do it. I stand on the tee box. And he said, my caddy stands out in the fairway and yells back at me, hit it this way. And he says, I'll hit it towards my, the voice of my caddy. And he said, when I, when I get to wherever I hit the ball, then he goes farther up the fairway and yells at me again, this way, this way. And I'll hit it towards his voice again. Finally, he's standing up on the green and I'll hit it towards his voice on the green. And Jack Nicholas was just amazed at this conversation. You know, how, how does this happen? This is amazing. And he said, but, but how do you putt? And he said, well, I asked my caddy to go and get behind the hole, kneel down behind the hole and put his mouth right over the hole as he begins to speak to me hit it this way, hit it this way. And I just hit it towards, very softly, towards his voice. And Jack Nicholas was just amazed. And and he said, I want to see this. He he said, do you mind? Can we play sometime? I would love to to play a round of golf with you. Stevie Wonder said, yeah. He said, I'll do it. But he said, nobody ever takes me seriously. So there's going to be some money on the line. If I'm going to play you, we're, we're going to bet. There's going to be some money on the line. And he says, $10,000 a hole. Nicholas thought about it for a moment. And he thought, man, that's a lot of money. But, but this, this has to be an amazing sight. So he said, sure, sure, I'm up for it. A lot of money, but why don't we play? To which Stevie Wonder answered, you name the night. If the person next to you has this look on their face like, just tell them you'll explain it to them later. (laughs) Today we begin this new series called Blind Spots. And there are numerous definitions for the term blind spot. One being an area around a vehicle that the driver cannot see without the use of his or her mirrors. Anybody in the room, any drivers in the room have a problem with blind spots? Just raise your hand and be honest. Yes, thank you. Thank you for being honest. Um, Often while driving down the interstate, I will see this phrase on on a sign on the back of semi-trucks. And it says, if you can't see my mirrors, I can't see you. Anybody ever saw that on the back of a truck? We'll be traveling later today, up, up 75. I'm sure I will see it. If you can't see my mirrors, I can't see you. This sign tells you that there is a blind spot and and that when you are in that area, uh, uh, the the driver of the truck cannot see your car. You're in his blind spot. So beware, be careful. Statistics from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration show that nearly 840,000 blind spot accidents occur occur each year. 840,000 accidents just because of a blind spot. I remember when I was a teenager, and I was, I was only about 16 years old, 
And I, I was at a church event. It was a large church event. And a friend of mine was riding with me in, in, my, in my car. I had a, a GMC Jimmy. That was my first car, an 85 GMC Jimmy. And, um, and, and so we, we were at this, this big church convention thing, and, and they only have a little bit of paved parking, but there was a lot of, of grass parking. And, and so I was parked in this big, huge field, hundreds of cars out in this field, and we left church a little bit early. And there's the first problem right there. We left church early. But we left church a little bit early. We, we get in the car, going to beat the crowd to the restaurants. And as I'm backing up, I'm just using my mirrors. I'm not paying attention to my blind spot. And as I'm backing up, sure enough, I hit another vehicle. I did. And, and, and I'm ashamed to tell you this. I am so ashamed to tell you this. I didn't leave my name. Didn't leave my number. I got out of Dodge. I was 16 years old. I cracked somebody's, somebody, some of you are looking at me like you've never done anything wrong in your life. You wish the only thing that you've ever done wrong was hit somebody in a parking lot. Come on. So, so I left. I've, I've had regrets to this day, man. I really, I, I'd pay for it today if I knew. Even though their car is long gone, they probably never have it. I don't even know. They may not even be around anymore. But, but I've always had regrets that, one, I didn't look in my blind spot to see where I was going. And I hit a car. And then I have the regret of not leaving my name and, you know, contact info there. Another definition of blind spot is an area where a person's view is obstructed. Similar an area where a person's view is obstructed. Quarterbacks have a blind spot referred to as the blind side. When the quarterback drops back, if, and it can come from both sides. Honestly, I've seen it happen on TV where the quarterback drops back, and if he's looking downfield this way, he can get hit from this side from a blind spot there. Or if he's looking here, obviously from the, from the back, that's his blind side, and that blind spot there can cause him some serious hurt and heartache because if they can read it, if the defense can read it, get in that blind spot and then progress to, to hitting him, they are going to knock the living daylights out of that quarterback and we've seen it happen before but yet there's still another definition of a blind spot that can be somewhat troubling and I kind of want to focus on this definition for, at least for today it reads a tendency to ignore something especially because it is difficult or unpleasant a tendency to ignore something especially because it is difficult or unpleasant. Over the next couple of weeks, I want us to look at some of the areas of our lives that are hard to see. Trust me, we all have blind spots. We all have areas of our lives that we can't see. Some of those areas other people can see very clearly, but yet we haven't invited them to speak into our life. Some of those areas we just simply cannot see. And it takes clear-eyed courage to examine your own blind spots. And that's what we're about to do. So if you will turn with me to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. We're going to start reading at verse 46. Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. And they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd... Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. 
And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Have you ever noticed that when people have something wrong with them that they cannot fix, they often congregate with others that have something wrong with them that they cannot fix? Have you ever noticed that? It's, it's the whole misery loves company scenario. That if there's something in your life that you just can't get worked out, if you can't find healing in that area, that a lot of times you are attracted to other people that cannot be fixed either. In my first youth group, I had these, these two girls in, in the youth group. Um, let's just call them uh, Amanda and Elizabeth because that was their real name. So let's call them Amanda and Elizabeth. <laughs> I hope they're listening to this podcast because these girls put me through it. Mandy, you remember these girls. They were two peas in a pot. I mean, they, they were obviously best friends because they were nearly identical. One had a little bit stronger personality than the other, so she was the leader. But, but the two of them together, they were just trouble. Together, they had the ability to turn a party into a porta potty in about 2.5 seconds. They could ruin a youth event for me. They could ruin, ruin a, a youth group service in, in, in a heartbeat. And, and, and what I noticed is that as the youth ministry began to grow, I inherited these two. They were there when I got there to that church. When I, when I first became youth pastor of that, that particular church, they were there. And, and so as new kids started coming, new students began coming to our youth ministry, I noticed that those kids that had sour attitudes, you ever met a kid with a sour attitude? Kids, students in the room right now, if you have a sour attitude, don't make me open up this altar and I'll pray it out of you today. I will. <laughs> Reminiscing about this, I've been ready to punch a wall. I'm just, I'm, I'm, this is therapy for me today. Never quite worked through it almost 20 years ago, but I'm still struggling through it. And what I noticed is that other students with sour attitudes, as they began to come into our youth ministry, they were, uh, they were, they would just gravitate towards these two girls. Misery loves company and they, they just just like people and they just would gravitate towards each other and man They would cause so many problems. I mean constantly sowing discord in the group uh, Just just bad attitudes. It was always always something that I was having to deal with and this made my job so much harder because I was trying to create unity I was trying to create harmony in this group but when it comes to misery, opposites don't attract. Misery loves company. And at the time of blind Bartimaeus, sick people with incurable disease or illnesses, they would often congregate with each other. I don't know if they found comfort with one another. I, I don't know if, if, if there was hope there or if they were just willing to die with someone like them because maybe that's the only person that would want to be around them. They would create this fraternal misery is what it was. 
the lepers were not allowed into the city for fear of being contagious. So they congregated outside the city in a leper commune. That's where they were made to stay. In John chapter 5, the Bible speaks of the five porches that surrounded the pool of Bethesda. And it was there that the sick would gather because they believed if, if the waters were stirred and the first one that would get into the pool of Bethesda, that person would be healed. And so they, they, were, they were always gathering around the pool of Bethesda. But there were those five porches. And, and many theologians believe that there was segregation within their segregation. Here's what I mean by that. You gather at the pool of Bethesda, all that are sick, all that have illness, all that have disease, they're all there together. And then they would segregate into their type of illnesses or their type of, of sicknesses. Five porches used for five different types of sickness. The lame were on one porch, the, the mute were on one porch, the deaf were on one porch, the disease were on one porch, and the blind were on a porch. This doesn't surprise us because we recognize that often people find community around people that hurt like they hurt. It's not always a bad thing. There's wonderful support groups out there for people that have faced different types of trials in life. There's grief support groups. There's Alcoholics Anonymous. There's just things where people who have struggled in life, they are naturally drawn to each other and they intentionally end up in those relationships. I'm not knocking those. Support groups are a wonderful thing. But it's dangerous sometimes whenever two people who are hurt and, and, and they, they find each other and there is no one giving them direction, no one giving them any lead, and there they begin sowing discord and, and the hurt just, just begins to explode out of their lives. We are attracted to people that are defined by the same pain that we are defined by. And if we're not careful, we will allow life's misfortunes to create blind spots in our lives. We will become so comfortable in our misery that we will not see that there is a Savior that can bring us up out of our despair. And I want you to understand this today. I get up here today and I preach with so much hope because I know that Jesus Christ is able to raise you up out of that despair that you're in. You don't have to stay in the situation that you're in. But some of you, you are allowing the condition of your life right now to keep you from reaching that critical place to where you are victorious. And today, I believe Jesus wants to put you on that path and start bringing about a victorious life within you. So don't become so comfortable in misery that you can't see that there is a Savior that is able to bring you up out of despair. Isaiah 41 and 10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. James 5 and 15 says, And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Anybody that is a sinner in the room that thanks God for that, that we are forgiven of our sins, Psalm 147 and 3 says, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Philippians 4:19 says, And my God shall supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. And finally, Isaiah 54 and 17 says, No weapon that is formed against you will prosper. 
No weapon formed against you will prosper. Notice that it did not say that there will not be any weapons formed against you. It absolutely declares that. There will be weapons formed against you. They will be formed, but they will not prosper. We have to be careful, church, that we don't become so blind in our despair that we fail to recognize the deliverer. Because Jesus Christ, if we really believe this, Jesus Christ is able to raise us up out of that. Bartimaeus was stuck on the side of the road listening to the traffic go by. It's a tough place to be in. I don't know if you've ever been stuck on the side of the road, maybe a flat tire or blown radiator hose or something. And, and it, it's just so devastating as you stand there on the side of the interstate and you watch as, as traffic just passes. Perfectly good cars with air conditioner just driving right by you as you stand on the side of the road and you just sweat. It's tough. And Bartimaeus was stuck on the side of the road listening to the people walk by, listening to the conversations. That was Bartimaeus. And he had resorted to begging on the side of the road. Alms for the poor. Alms for the poor. Let me tell you what he's really saying. Woe is me. Woe is me. Won't you feel sorry for me? I'm just a poor boy from a poor family. There it is. Okay. Woe is me. Woe is me. Won't you feel sorry for me? And that's what he had resorted to in his life. Standing on the side of the road, watching life pass him by, begging. Let me tell you something. As a child of God, you don't have to beg. You don't have to beg. I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. You don't have to beg. You don't have to have someone in this life feel sorry for you. You don't have to have anybody that, 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 that just feels bad for your life because you are a child of God. And when you recognize that in your life, you will live victorious. It doesn't mean you won't be under attack. It just means that attack is not going to take you out. Well, well, pastor, what about sickness? There's just some people that, that, that die. Absolutely. But our belief in Jesus Christ is everlasting life. The worst that can happen is it kills me. Listen, if I die today, I'm all right. I'm okay. Don't, don't, I mean, you'll cry, cry a little bit. I mean, it'll make me feel better, but, but I'm going to be all right. It's better for me. Life has a way of making us feel sorry for ourselves while everybody else is passing us by. And some of you, you walked into this room today and you're feeling sorry for yourself because of the situation that you're in in life. Yeah, life hasn't been fair, but get over it. And you walk into a room like this and, and you see joy flowing out of people's lives. People raising their hands. There is a river. And, and they're raising their hands and they're worshiping. And you're standing there feeling sorry for yourself, missing out on all the joy. Listen, the joy of the Lord is what? Your strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. So why would I want to walk in and feel sorry for myself and look down my nose at people who have the joy of the Lord in their life and they're raising their hands, they're worshiping God, they're rising above their circumstances. Why would I not want to be a part of that when I am facing despair in life? 
If the joy of the Lord is my strength, then let me join in. Let me sing the songs of triumph. Let me raise my hands victoriously. It's easy to get so focused on what you don't have that you lose sight of what you do have. And there was something that Bartimaeus had that was going to bring about victory in his life. Bartimaeus couldn't see. We know that. But he could hear. He couldn't see. But he could still hear. Some of you, you can't see it right now. You're, you're in a blind spot. You can't see it. But if I can just get you to hear it, it changes everything. Back to Mark chapter 10. I'm going to read verses 49 through 52 again. He's begging. He's crying out, Son of David, have mercy on me. And verse 49 says, And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. There's no exclamation mark there. Jesus didn't shout it. He just looked at his followers, those traveling with him, and he said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up. He is calling you. It's so important that we recognize that Jesus didn't say, motion for him to come over here. That would have been useless to Bartimaeus. He can't see. If Jackson was blind here and I'm going. This is useless to a blind man. Well, you, you, can, you can approach them like a chauffeur in an airport. Holding up the sign that says blind Bartimaeus. And if he can't see it. It's useless. And so Jesus didn't meet him in his blindness. He said, there's something useful in your life. You can still hear, call him. They go over and they call him. They, they, they get him over there. I, I love what they said to him here. They said, take heart, get up. He is calling you. Take heart, get up. He is calling you. Hey, you want to be prophetic in somebody's life just for a moment? Just for a moment. So everybody won't do this. It's okay. Look at somebody next to you and say, take heart. Get up. He is calling you. Tell them. Take heart. Get up. He is calling you. Take heart. Get up. He is calling you. Somebody needs to hear that. Take heart. Get up. He is calling you. Listen to verse 50. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Jesus calls him and immediately Bartimaeus has a decision to make. Do I sit here in my blind spot? Because that's, where you, that's what you call a, a blind man, where he sits. It's his blind spot, right? And uh, do I sit here in my blind spot or do I run to Jesus? And, and immediately, immediately he got up. Throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, 
what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, this is so important. He can hear. He, can, he can't see, but he can hear. So Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. There's this uprising of faith in his life that is evident. Sure, he was a blind man, but he could hear the words of Christ. Maybe it was just that he was so desperate that, that, that he would just, just talk to anyone that would listen. I've been there before. Somebody just listen to me. If you'll listen to me, I'll tell you all about my sorrows. Or, or maybe he knew that Jesus could just say the word. And if Jesus would just say the word, then, then he would be healed. Whatever the case is, I don't know, but whatever the case is, he found healing that day through his ability to hear and all that it takes is for him to speak over your life today and everything changes you can't see it you can't see what you're coming out of you can't see where you're going but that doesn't matter if all if only you can hear well, a number of years ago probably close to 15 years ago I started getting into riding motorcycles cruisers and and one of the things that I, I wanted to do living down in the the Tampa area where traffic is so bad I wanted to take a defensive motorcycle driving course I, I wanted to know how to defend myself if I'm going to be on two wheels out there in front of the, the world and you know there's some crazy drivers out there I need to know how to defend myself and so I went and I, I took this, this this driving course actually the pastor I was working for me and him we took it together and, and um, one of the things they taught us was stay out of people's blind spots you know if you're going to pass a car don't sit there and lollygag around. Pass the car. Get around it. One of the things that they said, and, and I've seen this on bumper stickers, I've seen it on, on, on stickers on, on motorcycle helmets, and I've seen it on patches on leather jackets, and, and it's a wonderful phrase. It says, loud pipes save lives. So I took it to heart. When I bought my motorcycle, I had the most loudest, obnoxious motorcycle on the planet. I had Vance and Hines shorties on this motorcycle, this, this was a big bike, 1,600 cc's with Vance and Hines shorties. I don't have it anymore, sold it last year, but man, I'm telling you, it was one of the most obnoxious sounding bikes. I could start this thing in my garage over on, in, in Country Way and they could hear it for two blocks. Yes, that was me, you're welcome. <laughs> and I remember numerous times, I'd be out on the road, and I'd be passing a vehicle, not sure, sure if they could hear me. If they couldn't, they were deaf. But, but if, if just in case, just in case they hadn't heard me coming up behind them, just in case they didn't hear me, when I would get right alongside, right where I think that blind spot is, I'd pull in that clutch. And man, I would let them have it. And then I'd let off and I'd go around them. Scare the living daylights out of them. It was so much fun. <laughs> Only three cars ever run off the road and wreck. But, but other than that, it was some of the greatest moments of my life. They taught us, they taught us, stay out of other people's blind spots. You see, you don't have to see it. You only need to hear it. You don't have to see it to be saved. You only need to hear it. It may be in your blind spot, but you will be saved if you can just hear it. Because at his words, worlds change. 
you didn't get that at all. That went over like a lead balloon. Listen, at his words, worlds are created. You still don't understand. God said, let there be light. And there was light. Just from saying it. God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters from the waters. And guess what? It did. God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed and the fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. Church, you don't have to see it to believe it. But you've got to believe it to see it. If you can just, in your mind's eye, get a glimpse of you coming up out of that despair, of you coming up out of that heartache, if you can just get a glimpse of you being healed, that's how you start removing blind spots out of your life. We walk by faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. You thought I was about to step off, didn't you? It'd be awesome if I did. If I just started walking right across there, you, you'd believe, wouldn't you? It's not my power. It's not even my guarantee. I, I can preach this and not even be worried about it. Because he guarantees it. And when you start walking by faith and not by sight, you remove the blind spots that the enemy has put in your life. You start removing doubt, fear, anxiety, depression. You start removing those blind spots that keep you from receiving what God is calling you into. You can't see it. Just hear it. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.